Good morning, this is Steve Allen with a look back at some of the highlights of my early breakfast show of the past week. You can hear me every weekday morning from four on LBC. And on Saturday Kitchen, the first episode without James Martin loses 600,000 viewers. Carrots. So we're sitting out in the office and... uh, putting my bag of carrots down, and I, uh, we're sort of, you know, we're going through the papers, and a load of people pop in. Actually, it was a very sociable morning this morning. I like it when people pop in from some of the other radio stations. My friend Toby hadn't been back for a little while, so uh, so we had a chat to him, and uh, lovely Kevin Hughes had been out to the Olivier's, so he's, and then he sent me a text a minute ago saying Anita Dobson sends her love, because I was only thinking about Anita Dobson the other day. I really was. I'm, I, I think about Anita. Every so often I see her popping up on the television and uh, I think I've, I've known her for, oh dear, quite, quite a number of years now. Quite a number of years. Anyway, so uh, we were sort of sitting there and sort of chatting away and then people sort of came in and people went off again. And, um, and the newsreader, Paul, said, because um, I, I always, st- you know, after we've done the opener for the programme, we do all the, uh, the bits and pieces, which stories we're going to cover in the paper. And even though there's a lot of stories, technically, there's not really much in the papers today. It's, uh, you know, trying to find something that, you know, either puts a smile on your face or gets you thinking is a little bit rare. And so, uh, so, so the newsreader, Paul, he said, uh, oh, what, looking over, and my thing said, Oh, I can't do the accent. It's, I'm not very good at doing accents. Not Scottish accents. It makes me sound like Dr. Finley's casebook. And, uh, and he said, what are those? Carrots. So I said, what? He said, are they carrots? I said, what, round carrots? I've never even heard of round carrots. So he said, yeah. I said, they're satsumas. And he thought they were carrots. I mean, you don't think he's been inhaling mushrooms or something out there, do you? Have you ever in your life seen a round carrot? I've seen some odd-shaped vegetables in my time, but I've never ever heard of it. Don't tell me that one exists, please. I couldn't bear it if somebody sends me in a picture of a round carrot. Traditionally, they grow down, don't they? That's what a carrot does. And then you pick the... I mean, I've seen pictures of carrots, baby carrots. I've never seen round carrots. But he was, he was quite adamant, round carrots. I think what he'd done, he'd gone down the road of sort of convincing himself that there was such a thing as a round carrot. Why I'd be sitting with a bag of seedless, easy, sweet and juicy round carrots is totally beyond me. I mean, it's just ridiculous. <laughs> and so, so you just heard my phone there, which is very unprofessional, very unprofessional. But in fact, we, we might have... Oh, oh, before I go any further, sort of get, oh, so many things I've got to get off my chest. Do you remember that dreadful image on the LBC website of that man who punches that woman in the face, which we talked about yesterday. Havering police tell me they have a man in custody. Yes, 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 yes. So I'm very pleased about that. So here we go. So here is a picture (laughs) of a round carrot. It's got pictures of round carrots. I think this is an April Fool. He's, of course, totally... I've never seen... I don't think these are carrots, are they? Round carrots. (laughs) I have to be honest... They look quite appetising, but they also look a little bit fake. But there again, I mean, it's, I mean, and he's written underneath, he's gone, see, almost like sneeringly, you know, to make me feel a bit bad about myself. <laughs> Round carrots. Oh, well, there you go. But these are in a bag and they're satsumas. <laughs> Who cares? Who cares? Right, uh, right. Uh, so the story that I was pleased about is the fact that Havering Police sent me a thing yesterday saying that they have a man in custody over the assault of that uh, woman 
outside her shop. He punched her in the face. She's got a metal plate in and six pins and everything else. And so I was delighted to hear that they've got somebody uh, in custody. I told you it wouldn't take long. The number plate's clearly identifiable. He's a nasty little piece of work. I'm sorry, anybody that punches women. <laughs> I don't have any, any truck with them whatsoever. Uh, there was also Kenny Sansom, the story of him losing his battle with booze. He's not dead. But that's what the papers are saying, because he's back on the booze again. What is it about booze that is so inherently appealing to people who we're supposedly looking up to, and then they just sort of fall off the wagon? And we've seen it with, oh, God, we saw it with George Best. We've seen it with tons of people. We're seeing it, you know, with sort of Gascoigne, where he's, he's on, and then, and then he's off, and then he's on again, and then he goes into rehab, and then he gets sectioned. And, the, and you think, how much more can we do? And the answer is, I don't know how much more we can do. And Kenny Sansom uh, was pictured the other day with bags of booze. I mean, who is selling it to somebody? You know, can you, I mean, surely these shopkeepers who are selling booze to people, can they not be prosecuted? If somebody's an alcoholic, why, why on earth would you want to sell booze to them? George Best used to go and sit in pubs, and landlords served him, knowing he was an alcoholic. Knowing he was an alcoholic. It was dreadful. Uh, Ronnie Wood, expecting twins. He's 68. I mean, how long's he going to live, for God's sake? He's looked like he was near death for the past 15, 20 years. 68. I mean, even if he lives another, I don't know, 10 years... It's going to make him 70. Do you think he's going to live to 78? He looks like he's literally had and enjoyed that rock and roll lifestyle. That's what people say. They say he really embodies what, what somebody looks like who spent their entire life up in a tree with the pixies, who hasn't got the faintest idea where they are from one day to the next. And it was called the rock and roll lifestyle. I think I'm living it with, with round carrots. I think I'm kind of getting there. I think I'm, I'm forging forward. The only thing I've never done in my life... I mean, you look at a picture of him. I mean... You feel like saying to that woman there, what was it about the multimillionaire Ronnie that first attracted you? You know, because uh, she's lovely. She's 31 years his junior, and uh, all of a sudden she's famous. It's like sending text to Vernon Kay. You get to be famous doing that. I'm thinking of sending one myself this morning, because frankly, it's boosted her career. She's now advertising all sorts of products, because I don't understand why, but if you read my book... So you want to be a celebrity. You'll understand exactly. Did I mention it's available? Uh, on Amazon. And um, written by my fair hand. And uh, selling very well, thank you very much indeed. And the audio version will be out very shortly. Once I've recorded it. Because uh, I haven't recorded it at the moment. It's finding time in my busy rock and roll showbiz lifestyle. You know, I leave here. I go back to Waterloo Station. I'm living the dream. You know, I go, sometimes I have a, 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 a sausage and egg McMuffin. But if there's a queue of any more, that, because it seems to me the entire Polish race queues for McDonald's at Waterloo Station. I've never known so many people. And they've all got vouchers. They've got vouchers to get sort of discounted. And I'm, I'm sort of in between. I'm the smartly dressed one. In between a lot of people wearing camouflage clothing. It seems that... And, the, and they're all carrying spirit levels. Everybody's got spirit levels. I mean, how do you measure whether or not your bun is straight? I don't know. Could be a gay bun. Who knows? We don't even worry about things like that. You know, it's funny. It's talking like that, actually, that got me out of the queue. Because you stand there and you go, hello, can I help you? And I'm still deciding on the board. I don't know what to go for. Sausage and egg McMuffin, a wrap. Bacon and egg McMuffin, wrap. Wrap with ketchup, without ketchup. Brown sauce, no brown sauce. No wrap, take out the egg. Put in the burger, put in a piece of cheese. And then I think, which one is the healthiest? And that's when I leave. Because quite clearly none of them are healthy. And so I, I then look at some of these, these sort of other places which have loads of rolls with bacon in. Well, I say bacon. 
It's basically a piece of flat cardboard that's painted to look like bacon. It bears no resemblance. The people serving it have got no idea how to actually serve bacon. The sausages, I don't think I've seen meat in a long while, really. And, uh, and they sort of serve these things. No coffee? No, I just want that. Sauce? No, I just want, just want that. In the end, it's like 20 questions. I'm quite exhausted by the time I leave Waterloo Station. So I get on the train, still living the rock and roll lifestyle. Plug in my little thing, start listening to the Carpenters, because they were pretty rock and roll. I like stuff like that. Doesn't make you anything, you know. I bumped into a bloke in Twickenham the other day, and he said to me, Hello, Steve, because that's my name. So, you know, it's quite, I didn't have a badge on or anything else. He just knew it was me. And he said, um, he said, I've got more than six items in my bathroom, and I'm not gay. I said, so you say. And he, he swished off up the road, and I thought, of course you're gay. If you've got more than six items in the bathroom, this only applies to men, incidentally. Ladies, you're all right. But it applies to men. If you've got more than six items, you're gay as a goose. Goodness sake, I mean, anybody can tell you. Real men, it's like, you know, take one bottle into the shower. No. Some men now take three bottles because they have the shampoo. Then they have to shampoo it again. Four, four bo- five bottles. You do that, do you? And then, and then they put on the conditioner. And, uh, and then you leave that on for a few minutes. So, in other words, me, I'm butch. I just take the one bottle of, of shampoo, and, and I'm not really particularly fussed about what sort of shampoo it is. So, at the moment, I'm using something for sensitive skin, because I've now decided I've got sensitive skin. As I've got a little bit older, my skin has become more sensitive, and so I'm using all sorts of things, and I suffer with a bit of eczema as well. So, I'm, I've got a bathroom with every cream known to man, and the moment you use the cream for the eczema, it seems to work. By day two, it stopped working. So, you have to find something else and it's becoming a little bit tedious, as tedious as round carrots. Round carrots will be the bane of my life. If he turns up tomorrow with round carrots, well, then I'll have to eat humble pie and apologise to him. I went in a Thai restaurant once. They make ice cream out of carrots. And it's the most beautiful thing you've ever had. Mind you, I think Thai food is delicious anyway. I could eat Thai food now. I could just eat Thai, just Thai anything. Little mincemeat parcels with a little dipping sauce. That'd be quite nice, wouldn't it? Kentucky Fried Chicken, that'd be quite nice. That's not very Thai, is it, I realise. It is if you dip the uh, that sort of sauce on there as well. And uh, uh, the Paul, my friend Paul, who's reading the news for you this morning so beautifully, which I think it's, it really is lovely, and uh, he actually takes four bottles into the shower. What can I tell you? He's definitely got more than six bottles in the shower because the four that he takes in, shampoo, conditioner, face wash and body scrub... Well, how big are these bottles for the body scrub? I mean, dear Lord above, that's not going to be a normal size bottle, is it? It's going to be enormous. I also have, have a face wash, but I don't think you're supposed to use it all the time. You know, you know, I do know that you're not supposed to use soap on your face. It's very drying. I learnt that through years of doing uh, programmes. And body scrub's quite good because that means that you're exfoliating. And they do them for women... And they do them for men. And the men is supposed to be a slightly rougher version because men have got butch skin. And so, so people do that. So, I mean, I can actually say... I mean, I've also got the shower gels. I've got shower gels like you've never seen shower gels. Oh, I've got tons of shower gel. And uh, I love it. Dorman Dom says, I must be gay. I've got 30 bottles in my bathroom. <laughs> I think you've got a gay shop going on there. 30 bottles in the bathroom. Actually, I've got all sorts of things in the bathroom. I mean, it, it really is. It's, I mean, if, if it was going to be a, a chock-a-block bathroom, mine would be a chock-a-block bathroom. Because I see things, and I sometimes see things advertised on the television, I think, I've got to buy that. I've got to have it. I've really got to have it. And so I take it home, and I sort of try it. I've got all sorts of things for all sorts of, not ailments, although I do have enough uh, stuff for ailments, but I just like, oh, we found, we found a new girlfriend for one of the producers here. He quite likes the drug mule. 
he quite likes the drug mule, I should imagine, um, because now they've tarted her up and uh, she's seen the light. Well, in fact, she's seen the light for the first time. He really likes her. He really likes her. You remember, he's the one who like He's got this thing about Irish girls. He's got a thing about her and he's trying to find her on Instagram. Now, whether or not she's available, I don't know. So now they've actually... And I'm not going to mention his name. I think it's unfair. I think it's, I think it's cruel. I think it's, you know, it's, it's labelling him as, as a particular sort of person who's, who's lusting after people that he sees. And they have done her up well, because when he saw her as a drug mule, he didn't fancy her at all. Now she's had her hair dyed, all of a sudden she's become terribly appealing. You know, which I find slightly disturbing because I don't fancy people I see in the pages of the newspapers. Well, that Vernon Kay's looking more attractive by the day, isn't he, I think? Is he's, well, obviously, Rianne thought so. But uh, we'll talk about them and we'll talk about the bloke. It is a bloke, I promise you, who has spent £21,000 on filler so he can look like Kim Kardashian. Now his lips have swelled up so much he can't eat. I mean, how stupid... Do some people have to be? Harry Styles has found an air hostess. Um, she's sending topless selfies of herself. I mean, what, what sort of air hostess sends, sends topless pictures of themselves to Harry Styles unless you're really desperate? A top... I mean, really, really terrible. And, uh, and what's the most annoying part of your life? Nuisance calls. I don't, why would you answer a nuisance call? I don't want to be rude, you know, to the simpletons listening at the moment. And there will be a few simpletons, a few people bewildered, a few people mainly sort of waiting for Matron to come round and give them the nightly drugs so they can drift off into the land of Nod. But if it's a call that you don't... If, if I look at my, my phone and it says unknown or something, or I don't recognise the number or name doesn't come up, I don't answer it. Why would you answer it? How stu- I've seen people go, oh, I wonder who that is. Hello? And it turns out to be somebody from Mumbai selling you a, a new package for your electricity. Don't answer the phone. But that apparently is the top thing that really annoys you. So there you go. Anyway, still to come, Ronnie Corbett, who didn't want to be knighted. The Gogglebox fans demanding subtitles. They can't understand the show's new Scottish family. Well, I understand Scottish people. I have to listen carefully, admittedly. But, you know, sometimes if, if they're from Glasgow or they're from out of... I remember the BBC did it years ago. They uh, they actually had a Scottish man being interviewed. And they had to put subtitles up because nobody knew what he was talking about. Nowadays, I can understand 90% of people. But you don't get them on the Jeremy Kyle show. Because you can't understand the people on that show anyway. You'd understand them less if they came from Scotland. Because not only would they be shouting obscenities, but they'd be doing it in a Scottish accent. And so, so they kind of keep it to the Midlands. And that's where it all goes horribly wrong. Talking of horribly wrong, the England footy buffoon Jack Wilshere's brawl outside a nightclub. Once a fool, always a fool. I'm Steve Allen. More to come shortly as I look back at some of the highlights from my early breakfast show here on LBC. This is Steve Allen with a look back at some of the highlights from my weekday early breakfast show on LBC. Makes perfect sense to me if you were going to try and fancy somebody, try not to fancy a drug mule. I mean, try and fancy somebody that you can meet sort of locally. Not really going to be meeting anybody who's a drug mule, are you, standing in uh, KFC? Going to stand more of a chance at Lima Airport if you hang around customs. Have to get a job there. Because that's the, the glowing makeover of the drugs girl. She tried to smuggle with her friend one and a half million pounds worth of cocaine into a country and then lied through her teeth. Lied, ladies and gentlemen. Of course she was. She was saving her skin. Of course, had that been another country, she'd have been facing the firing squad by now. 
and uh, managed to uh, to say, oh, no, somebody coerced us into doing it. And then finally they admitted, no, we did it because she was she was a, a cocaine smuggler. You know, as I say, not like 50 quid, not 100 or 1,000 or 10,000 pounds, a million and a half pounds. They should have hanged. You know, I'm sorry, drug dealers. I couldn't care less what they look like. You know, Matahari looked quite nice. All these other people look quite nice. Uh, Phil Vickery. Well, God, you're up early this morning. Good Lord. You going now? OK, nice to see you. I bet your bedroom is full of blue tack on the walls, isn't it? I bet I'll just see, you know, pictures pinned up on the wall of your favourite... Uh, favorite... Oh, I'm nearly identifying somebody here. Oh, dear me. But I'm, I bet you've got pictures, haven't you? I bet... See you tomorrow. Looking forward to it. Missing you already. Mean it. <laughs> Phil, v- Phil Vickery takes conditioner, shampoo, Badidas gel. Is that Badidas gel? Shaving gel, razor, Nivea moisturiser. <laughs> Why, well, fairly worried. <laughs> not surprised. Actually, Badidas is. Um, I I remember years ago, Badidas. They used to say things happen after a Badidas bath, and it was horse chestnuts or something. And I suppose it was really one of the forerunners of of having a gel in in the bath that made you smell nice. There's another one, and I can't remember. It's a blue package, pale blue package, begins with V, I think. And uh, and that's quite nice. And that goes all creamy under the tongue. That's delicious. Makes your skin really soft and smell lovely. Although a friend of mine that other day said, put um, mint leaves in the bath. Really can't see myself sitting among a load of old leaves, which is ridiculous. BT call guardian. Brilliant. Screens all calls, says Phil. And lets you know who it is. You can answer, block or ignore. So, but I, I, you know, you're probably like me. You've probably got hundreds of uh, phone numbers in your book. And you end up sort of, I mean, at least they, they do actually come up with a name for which I'm eternally grateful. This is the big, the big debate, isn't it? People complaining about all these nuisance calls. I don't get nuisance calls. I mean, not because, you know, I, I mean, I don't know how you get nuisance. Where do they get your number from? Is it because you've given it to people? Because I don't give my number to anybody. I really don't. I'm actually quite good. You know, if I go in somewhere and go, do you have a Boots card? No, I don't. Would you like one? No, I don't. Would you like a Marks and Spencer Sparkle card? No, I wouldn't. I don't. I don't. Yeah, and then I think all, all the data gets pushed on to other people, and that's what I don't like. I don't want people knowing. I don't get junk mail at home. Don't get any junk mail at all. I mean, admittedly, you know, it's all sort of sorted out, which is which is quite good. Uh, right. Um, I, I love the picture. Actually, we had the other day. Actually, I thought the pictures were quite good uh, of Nick Frost and Rebecca Front as well, which is nice and uh, a lovely picture taken. And uh, another one here. Oh, uh, my friend Daniel, obviously writing back to somebody that I barred ages ago. An internet troll and a bit of a sicko, Daniel, as you probably discovered. And uh, he's one of those stupid people. This is Joe underscored neckbone, who's not all... He's he's not the full shilling, poor soul. He needs to, as I said yesterday to somebody, I said, you need to actually discover why you've got no friends. And, of course, they don't have any friends. And Daniel's probably just discovered that. It's people who sort of hate you, listen all the time. And it's like an overthrow, isn't it? They're very lonely at this time of the morning and they've got nobody else to listen to. And so they, they deliberately upset themselves because somebody who's really, really enjoying life, and I'm really enjoying life, let me tell you. I mean, I, I can't get over how exciting it is, you know? I've got a, I just only realised the other day, I told you, my, my brother, because I couldn't remember when it, when it finished. My mortgage finishes quite soon. And so I'm then mortgage-free, which frees up, you know, a bit of money, which is quite nice. Uh, nice car, nice place to live, nice friends. Prosecco in the fridge. You know, it's all good. Fillet steak and everything else. And people hate that kind of thing. They hate the fact that sort of people are doing very well, mainly because they don't have any friends. And so all I do is I, I just block them. 
I, I just block them. And they, they are actually, you know, trolls. They can't help it. They don't have any friends. They'll end up in, in prison at some point and, uh, and they will get taken to court. And then we laugh and point at them. You know, it's very funny. I do like, actually, the idea uh, that Gemma Collins... We hadn't mentioned her for a while. The fat, fat girl, uh, who's still fat, fat, apparently, is uh, is dating one of the people who threw stuff at her years ago. But that's the best she can get. She can't find anybody. Nobody wants to go out with her. Nobody wants to... Although, believe it or not, Amy Childs, child by name, child by nature, uh, the one who you really couldn't have a conversation with. I mean, there is nothing that she can talk about. I mean, absolutely nothing at all. And uh, some bloke goes into a shop, the next thing she's going out with him, because most of her relationships last a couple of weeks. Once they've actually, you know, had what they wanted from her, uh, then they just sort of wander off somewhere else. And she's, because she is particularly dim, there's not a lot you can sort of say about her, which is very worrying. And uh, Norman says, uh, listen to your show at home in Scotland. Scotland. Do you know, I saw some lovely pictures of Scotland the other day and it was up in the Highlands and they were selling some part of the Highlands. It was something like 32,000 acres and it came with, I think, three locks and forests. And I thought, God, how lovely. How lovely to live there. Wouldn't that be absolutely... And then you think, it's a long way to actually get your shopping. So do you think a Cardo deliver out there? You get Tesco to deliver it. Not Tesco, actually. We don't want to go to Tesco because we don't know where their farms are because they're just made up. And uh, it was... Fen- Thank you, Michael Dennis. And you would know that the, 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 the creamy blue bubble bath was Fengel. I mean, you had to be really rich to buy Fengel because it's quite expensive. They sell it in Goods the Chemist in Twickenham. I might get some, actually, today. got to go and collect my, uh, my medication. I might get some Fengel because it's lovely and you could put it on a flannel and it's just... But it's so expensive... <laughs> It's kind of arm and a leg. But I thought, well, what the heck? I, I don't smoke, so it doesn't really matter. And uh, Linda says, uh, great, now let's hope gets prison. Yeah, we've got to go through due uh, process. This is the person who's been arrested for uh, for hitting that woman. It's not in court yet, uh, but so identifiable. I can't wait to find out more about this person. I don't want to know, but at the same time, having having discovered that uh, you're now doing really well, looking at the the video of the two brothers, two brothers, who threw a dog down the stairs. I mean, these sick... They need, you know, you need to find some bouncers, like Dorm and Dom, to pick them up and throw them down the stairs. Like at the Eiffel Tower. That'd be fairly good, wouldn't it? I just don't understand why somebody would, would cause pain to, to animals. Having said that, as I said, Gemma Collins has found a new boyfriend. Uh, the lottery frustration, it's another jackpot rollover. How many more jackpot rollovers are we going to have? And, uh, and the, this, this really bizarre story about the village for sale. And it seems quite good value. It brings in about £400,000 a year rental. I'd just like to close it off. The village that time forgot. It's going for about £20 million. And for that, you get all the village houses and you get everything. I mean, it, it, it obviously dates back to feudal times. It sounds lovely. It sounds lovely to actually have... To actually have a whole village where you could go round and then you could sort of, you could sort of close it off to people and then and then you could charge people couldn't you for actually coming and having looking around it because nothing would change it's like when they uncover sometimes they find sweet shops or normal shops that have been abandoned after the owner died and time has stood still i love those sort of thing hundreds of things like that love it cj says i've got a massive row of shower gels hanging off a rail in my bathroom seems to be more sea minerals and lavender than anything else well sealed your fate on that one the word the, the, the clue on that one is lavender it's not a very butch manly smell, but it is quite nice. I've got, I mean, to be honest with you, I sometimes go out and buy a load of shower gels, not knowing 
exactly what they say. You have a little smell there, but you don't know until you put them on. My favourite at the moment, I do use two. I do use Jo Malone, which is owned by Estee Lauder, and that's terribly expensive. That's called, um, um, what's it called? Lime, Basil and Mandarin. So that's, it sounds quite exciting, doesn't it? But my favourite is from Jo Loves, which is her other shop, which she set up after she sold Jo Malone. And uh, she's got, and I think it's Thai Lime over Mango. I mean, it just sounds delicious, doesn't it? It just sounds delicious. And it, believe you me, it smells as good as it uh, sounds. But again, you're looking at £30 for a bottle. So you use it sparingly. You use it sparingly. And in fact, I think actually it works out in the long run, together with, um, together with other cheaper shower gels. I used to have all of them hanging up because they were all in different colours. And I was sort of taken... You'd have them on the shower rail, don't you? Which I quite liked, actually. Uh, Maggie says, I stopped getting junk mail when I stopped having a landline. And Pat says, I only had junk mail when I was widowed. I'm convinced these people go through the death notices. Do the same as you with the phone. Yeah, I don't want anybody to sit at home and answer the phone. If you don't know who it is, don't answer the phone. If they're anybody decent, then they will leave a message. But if they don't leave a message, you don't need to bother with them. This is Steve Allen with a look back at some of the highlights from my weekday early breakfast show on LBC. More to come... After the news. I'm Steve Allen, and this is your chance to listen again, or even for the first time, to some of the highlights of my weekday early breakfast show on LBC. I cannot believe I'm sitting here this morning, and a drugs mule, a convicted drugs mule, smuggling a million and a half pounds worth of cocaine in. Luckily, the old bag was caught, and then complains bitterly about, oh, I haven't seen daylight, and I haven't seen stars, and I haven't seen the moon or anything else, and yet manages to emerge, looking like she's had the makeover of all makeovers. She's a convicted drug smuggler and she's treated like some sort of celebrity as opposed to the uh, as opposed to the vile old bag that she is and now they're talking about she could appear on i'm a celebrity get me out of here a convicted drug smuggler good heavens above at this rate we'll have we'll have you know pedophiles coming out of prison joining game shows why not if you're going to put a convicted drug smuggler on there, and she sits there, you know, smug little madam that she is, had she got away with it, I wonder how much money they'd have trousered. But of course, oh, it's terrible in these Peruvian prisons. Really, darling, you didn't look too bad. I noticed you were coached very well. God, it drove me mad, absolutely mad. And then there's a ridiculous story in the newspapers that magicians convince people at the moment that they're doing a trick to blink, and so they miss... That, that sort of move or sleight of hand or whatever it happens to be. And I thought, what a pile of old doggy-doos. you seriously telling me an entire audience blink at exactly the same time? What a pile of rubbish. Uh, also, uh, I noticed the museum gang have been jailed, not the brightest, and that other gang who were robbing fruit machines, they've been jailed as well because a few of them took selfies. I mean, they really are the thickest of the thick, aren't they? Anyway, I'm sure they'll enjoy themselves in prison. Uh, the Rolling Stones, aged 286, make an exhibition of themselves because you get people in the rock business and they dress uh, not for their age. So they sort of dress with sequins and glitter. This is the men and painted fingernails because that's the rock and roll side of it. Everybody else is looking at them going, you look slightly peculiar. I think you can always tell musicians, can't you? Because they do dress... Uh, not for their age, but for their profession. Uh, plus, macho men who can't do pillow talk. I think we can prove that one this morning. And singing in a choir could help save cancer. Because I've always maintained that singing or dancing together or, do, you know, with a group of people is very therapeutic. Very therapeutic. And guess who they say has left the X Factor? Yes, old Spagbowl has finally left to laughingly pursue a music career. Obviously, the little child she's with at the moment, and he is a child, so let's not make 
too much about it. He's 22, she's 32, but with a mental age of about seven, I think. And um, and he's obviously said, oh, you should get back in the chart, Cheryl. And we're all going, really? We remember the last disaster, dear. Don't do it, please. Don't want to embarrass yourself, do you? But anyway, she's going to leave the X Factor to be replaced by whom? Simon Cowell, obviously gutted. Like, of course, he had nothing to do with it because it's his programme. And what did I say? Do not change anything. You should have kept Louis Walsh from years ago because he knows what he's talking about. Bring back Sharon Osbourne. Ditch Cheryl. She's more interested in spending time in hair and makeup. And to be honest with you, she's a bit of a bore. She's not very exciting. She is the dullest person on the television. She just sits there staring, almost like some rabbit caught in the headlines, uh, headlights. And you, and you look at her and you think, what are you contributing? You don't have a pop career. Why are you advising these people? You've been, you know, masterminded by people so much cleverer than you to drag you into the charts. The last time she appeared on The X Factor to plug her single, it uh, it died a death because people suddenly realised that she can't dance and she certainly can't sing. But uh, she looks good, so she'll be able to sort of model makeup and hair and stuff like all sorts of things like that. Lots of uh, Victorian diseases back in, and I had a trip to the doctor yesterday. Why is it? Why is it that a lot of doctors, receptionists, and I've been fortunate in my doctors, they're brilliant, apart from the one yesterday. You know, they think they're the doctor. They think they know it all. And yesterday's Wagnerian was sitting there. Yes, uh, I'd like to book an appointment, please, for so-and-so in the afternoon with, with my diabetic nurse. OK, what's it about? I don't know. I'm not mod- medically qualified, I said to her. I mean, it was a, what a stupid question. Dumbest question I've ever heard, actually, from a doctor's receptionist. Normally, they're brilliant. Brilliant. My doctor's surgery is brilliant. This woman, really, I mean, she had no customer uh, empathy whatsoever. She had nothing going on. So, you know, what's it about? I don't know, dear. I'm not medically qualified. Well, she doesn't do... Bl- well, first of all, before we got round to that bit, so uh, she said, I've got one 11.30 today. I said, no, afternoon. She said, well, you should have said afternoon. I thought, who do you think you're talking to? Who do you think you're talking to? So I said, I did say afternoon. Well, actually, I said that inwardly to myself because I thought there's no point in trying to prove to her that I did say afternoon because I can't do mornings. I always say afternoon because I've got interviews in the morning and I've got stuff to do. So I I could never, ever do mornings. So anyway, so uh, then she says, uh, well, she doesn't do blood tests in the afternoon. So I said, I'm not doing a blood test. Are you sure? I thought, I mean, is this woman for real? Honestly, I've never known such a rude person. In my life. Anyway, I finally got the thing. Not a please, not a thank you, not anything at all. But uh, anyway, at least we managed to get rid of the wee-wee sample, so that was always fairly popular. Uh, So that was yesterday. The weather was nice. We got a new bakery opening in Twickenham this morning. Better be good. If it's not, I shall be complaining. You know me. All I want is a um, a decent sausage roll or a pasty in the morning. I just quite fancy a decent pasty or a bacon roll. Something. Something that sort of looks nice. Greg's is fine. Uh, but they're knocking out the bread, aren't they, side of it? And they're just going to do takeaway. So I think all the cakes are going and it'll just be a takeaway. And it'll probably do very well. Students like it, don't they? They know all about the beef lattice and they know all about all these other strange things that emanate from it. But their sausage rolls, pardon me, are a lot cheaper in Greg's. They're about 90p each. And you get four for the price of three. So it's quite good value, actually. Uh, this bakery that's opening... Uh, is I think they're about £1.70 for a sausage roll, but I'm expecting a lot for £1.70. I have tried one before. Boy, are they filling. Whew. So if you're thinking about sausage rolls at the moment, they don't open till 8. OK, there is no point in sort of worrying about it at the moment. Anyway, between now and uh, 6.30, we take all your texts and emails, 84850, steve at uk. Uh, what was I going to say? Oh, yes, Stuart wrote in. Uh, complaining about a podcast that wasn't available. Well, of course, uh, it was available. 
it absolutely was available. We, we checked it. Thousands of people have downloaded it already. And he goes, you know, I'm assuming that they're very popular and people must have complained. Nope, nobody, because it was available for download. It was on the 23rd of the 3rd. And, um, and we actually checked it this morning. Producer told me exactly how many downloads there have been. So the fault, Stuart, will lie with your end. You probably need to reboot your system uh, because everybody else managed to get it except you. What was the other thing I was going to tell you about? The other thing? Oh, yes, I will run through later on the Sunday lineup, just so you're aware of what's going on. It's not really, so, I promise you, there aren't too many changes, but we do get my, uh, my friend uh, back, Andrew Castle, on uh, Saturday and Sunday morning, because he was on there, and then he went to go to another of our radio stations. And then when they decided to have a change, and then he was sort of hanging around, I thought, he's coming back here, I just know that. So they've got running through the week... The breakfast show starts at 7 o'clock every day. If you remember before, Stig was starting at 8. Stig's got a, a new show. Andrew Pierce has got a new show. Uh, Katie Hopkins has got a new show. Uh, Tom Swarbrick has got a new show. Well, they're all sort of shows that were there originally. And, um, and I, I get to finish an hour earlier on a Sunday morning, which is quite exciting, except for the person whose dog we go walking, who said, if you think I'm getting up at seven o'clock in the morning, Steve, you've got another thing coming. So actually, it's all very good. And we've still got in conversation at nine o'clock at night and you can still download it. So uh, the weekends, we give them a kick up the rear end and uh, you're going to enjoy it. And that starts this week. That starts this week. So uh, all those people who were listening to Andrew Castle before, he's back uh, in the morning, on LBC for the weekend breakfast show. Uh, so we'll talk about that later on. What else are we going to talk about today? We'll talk about uh, just about anything. Amazing how many criminals, but it's that story about the drug mule that really, it's really affected me more than anything. I cannot you know, believe that somebody who is a drug mule, somebody who was trying to, you know, not like £100,000 worth, but a million and a half thousand pounds worth of cocaine uh, out of the country, is they're now considering for Celebrity Big Brother. Have we completely... I mean, why don't we just take murderers out of prison? Because, undoubtedly, the drugs that she was bringing in would have killed people. It would have killed people. It would have been cut down so much. And they sat there. Have you noticed, though, that fantastic makeover she got in that Peruvian prison? My God, I tell you, there's a place to go to. They need to open a beauty parlour. All this claptrap she was giving us. They always do, don't they? She was so coached and everything. You could just tell, oh, I really regret that moment of weakness and that moment of madness. What a bloody liar she was. What a liar. Yes, dear, that's why you stood there looking like the worst, the worst person under the sun. And now with this new softened hair. I mean, she's, she's out of prison. These prisons look fantastic. You get clothes and everything. It's coaching. She'll have an agent. You watch, there'll be a book deal next. Be a book deal. And before you know where you are, we'll be going, oh, should we get her in for in conversation? No, we bloody well won't. Don't even ask me. I get so. But anyway, the producer likes her. And that's all that matters. In fact, he's not the only one. Quite a few people quite like her. And I go, but she's a convicted drug stealer. Would you have felt the same if, you know, a member of your family had taken some of that cocaine and died? Would you still be going, oh, let's put her on, I'm a celebrity? As far as I'm concerned, not. Uh, Jane says, fortunately for us, Spagbowl has yielded her true calling because we are worth it. Yet her true calling is, leave the programme you know nothing about. Uh, came as no surprise to me. Uh, we did actually... We did actually predict it about uh, a week ago. In fact, two weeks ago and three weeks ago, I was saying to Simon Cowell... Via, via the programme, obviously not personally. I said to him, listen, what, what you need to do is, why you ever changed that panel? You should never have brought in Nick Grimshaw. He was totally useless on the panel. Cheryl passed her sell-by date a long, long time ago. You cannot have somebody on a panel who knows nothing about music. And she knows nothing about music. She's a, she's a manufactured item. She doesn't write it. She doesn't do anything. She can't dance. It was just pathetic. The only reason you watched her is because they surrounded her with about 30 other people, which sort of uh, actually... 
you know, gave uh, gave the lie to the myth that she's got talent. She has no talent at all. That's why she had to go from the programme. Better to sit at home with her little boyfriend. Let's soon get bored with each other. He'll sort of say, oh, come on, let's go in the studio. I'll write you some songs. They actually believe their own publicity. That's what's so funny about it. They seriously believe that they, they can write the million sellers, whereas they can't. You don't need many uh, record sales now to get to number one in the charts. Years ago, it was a lot. Nowadays, it's, it's merely a handful, ladies and gentlemen. So when you talk about, you know, people getting to number one in the charts, you think to yourself, yeah, but you've only sold a few thousand, which actually, in the, in the scheme of things, isn't really very many at all. And uh, more Lancashire accents in the paper. I don't know Lancashire accents, apart from, well, I'm thinking, Sally, Sally, pride of our alley. And that's the only one I know. I, don't, I can't think of anybody else Lancashire. Would that be Thora Heard? Would that be Lancashire? Would that be Lancashire? And singing in the choir could help save you from cancer. I love community singing. It's one of my favourite things. Oh, and the dancing penguins were back as well this morning. We had a little, a little glimpse of the dancing penguins, just to sort of get me straight on the programme. And uh, then a little bit of drumming from the Edinburgh Tattoo. It's all good news. All good news. I'm Steve Allen. More to come shortly as I look back at some of the highlights from my early breakfast show here on LBC. I'm Steve Allen, and until 7 o'clock this morning, this is the best of my shows from the week. Don't forget you can hear me every weekday morning from 4 until 6.30 here on LBC. So, in fact, we've, we've kept all the nice things that you like over the weekend and added to them. So, uh, yes, I'm still on seven days a week. Yes, I'm still, as far as I know, the only presenter on seven days a week. And so you get me Monday through Friday, and that's uh, 4 till 6.30. I'm sort of the early breakfast. I'm the warm-up for Nick Ferrari and for Lisa Aziz. And uh, then on Saturday, between 5 and 7, you get the best of Steve Allen, which is the combination of the week, which, surprisingly, people still download. Even though it's been out before... But people still download it. People like it all encapsulated. And then on Sunday morning, I'm live between five and seven. So we can get ourselves into a routine. It's not difficult. It just means it finishes an hour earlier. And Andrew Castle starts at seven, which is when all the breakfast shows uh, start throughout the week. So it just makes it easier. It just becomes a bit more formulaic and it's, it's so much easier to do. And then by the time you've recovered from, from him on the Sunday morning, then you can gear yourselves up for, for Katie Hopkins and she'll be having an absolute field day. I can tell. I mean, I know that she's going to be having uh, good fun with it because she just does. So if you say black, she'll say white. You say white, she'll say black. And she'll argue the toss. And uh, in the end, you'll kind of go, oh, God. But uh, she makes a lot of sense. People say to me, oh, we listen to the programme and you're saying exactly what everybody else is thinking. Of course. That's why, that's why the programme works. That's why it's uh, successful. And, uh, and that's why we like being here at this time of the morning. You know, pe- people say, oh, do you not feel a bit, uh, bit bad about it? No, no, no. A little bit earlier for Chris Golds uh, this morning, who's going to be along to do the travel. He turned up an hour early. I don't know what. He's obviously been out on the town or something, and he's sort of just recovering from a nightclub. So he's in for an hour. What are you doing next? What's the matter now? Laura Whitmore is not in there, OK? She's not there. It's no good how many cupboard doors you open and everything else. She's not in there. Somebody said to him, oh, wait, we've hidden Laura Whitmore for you. And so he's now wandering backwards and forwards. What are you doing? Sit down. You make the place look uncomfortable and untidy. He's wandering backwards and forwards. It's like one of those shooting ranges at the fun fair where the things move backwards and forwards, the ducks, and you have to, have to shoot them. You know, and you take it, I used to like that, and then you sort of knock them down. It's a bit like that, walking back. He's off again. What are you doing? Honestly, small wonder I end up with headaches at the end of this programme. I try not. Aren't the Rolling Stones old? 
Is there something very odd about Mick Jagger at 195, who's walking up and down with a Lurex pink shirt on and a, and a camp, isn't it? He, the trouble is, it isn't until you see him, he's just a very, very old man with lots of hair. Sort of lots. But I bet close up he looks even older. And I think they're combined ages. What is it? 286 or something like that. But all rock stars and pop stars wear outrageous clothes because they can. They can get away. And then people go, that's a rock star. Whereas radio presenters are... Stop moving. You're determined to set my migraine off, aren't you? Perfectly still. Do not blink. Do not move. Do not smile. Do not mouth the words, Laura, you know, because it's just not right. It's just not right. He's very obsessed with Laura Whitmore. He likes Laura Whitmore a lot. <laughs> which, of course, I can see perfectly. I really can. Uh, I've got a diamond, uh, which would go very well. Laura Whitmore would like this diamond. She'd, she'd bend over backwards for this one and sideways. Uh, 25 million. 25 million. That's the starting price. I think it'll, I think it'll go 25. Because if you're really rich... If you're, you know, if, imagine if you, I mean, if you really were one of those, those Russian crooks, sorry, those uh, Russian entrepreneurs who, uh, who have billions of pounds and you think, how have you managed to make that when the country is suffering and people are lying dead in the streets? And the answer is because they're bent. It's as simple as that. You know, it kind of works all the way through. Now we've discovered that all these people with this money offshore, it runs through everybody. Seriously. I mean, I've never actually been in a situation of having anything offshore Unless you consider, you know, floating a pound in a little paper boat off the coast of Brighton. And that's just about it. I mean, I don't have any offshore accounts. I mean, I probably should have. I probably should have, really, the amount of money that I've got stashed away under the bed and things like that. But all these, all these people have stashed away millions. Even part of the Brinksmat robbery was reinvested abroad to about £22 million at the 1986 prices, I believe. I mean, there's more corruption going on. The rich become richer and the rest of us just pay tax like anybody else. You know, you won't find HMRC chasing after me. There's a bloke who uh, is a reporter for Private Eye and he used to be a tax inspector. He said, HMRC, if they'd known about this, they'd have stopped this immediately. This is people, you know, the very highest in the land who are putting money in secret offshore tax havens. They've got, I think, 11 million pieces of paper telling you about which which companies they are and how they've set them up. Some of them, in, in one country, there are fake people set up to pretend to be company directors who don't actually come over to here to view anything at all because they're not real. They're real people, but they're nothing to do with these companies. It's all... It's called... Well, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if they call it illegal or legal, but they've got here... Uh, David Cameron refusing to reveal if the family has a cash stash in a secret haven. They reckon his dad's offshore firm had paid no UK duty for 30 years. Putin's pals linked with a laundering ring. Well, there's a surprise. There's a surprise. And uh, Iceland's prime minister stormed off when quizzed about claims he used an offshore firm to hide millions of dollars while his banking system collapsed. And you think, they're all at it. They're all at it. It's like, and, and to a certain extent, we all do it. We all do, and why do we all do it? If you have somebody coming round to your house, and uh, he's a builder, and he goes, uh, right, you know, I can do this this job here. It's uh, going to be uh, six thousand pound, and you go, how much for cash? And he'll go, charge you four for cash. You don't think he's putting the four grand through the through the uh, through the business, is he? It's actually going into his pocket. It's going to be undeclared earnings, and loads of people do it. I can remember people doing it going back thirty and forty years. I can't do it. But would I if I could? That is the big question, isn't it? Because all my money is documented. You know, all my... I have to pay my VAT every three months. 
And so they know exactly how much I'm earning because they can see it. It goes out of this company, goes into my bank account. If I lie about it, it's going to show up in my VAT. Whereas, in fact, my VAT is, you know, is very straightforward. I put down the amounts and that's it. They they, they can check it because they can see it from the invoices. It's not difficult. But, you know, if I was dealing in cash, God, I tell you, I'd be laughing. I'd be laughing. You know, perhaps I should start to do a tree felling business or something like that. Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. And uh, no, Brian, the new bakers is not called that at all. <laughs> and uh, Steve says, Malcolm, the doctor's receptionist you described is the reason why we're called patients. You have to have the patience of Job to put up with them. I just thought she was rude. I just thought she was rude. I've been going in there for donkey's years. She treated me like some sort of idiot. And I don't know. That really, really, if anything's guaranteed to annoy me, that would be the thing that would annoy me. You know, so I need to make an appointment to see my uh, diabetic nurse. Uh, What for? I'm not telling you. It's confidential. You know, why would you want to tell me? I'm sorry, I'm sitting here. I'm not discussing my... uh, They're supposed to be confidential, all these things. You know, why don't you just give me a tick chart, dear? Circumcision, testicular cancer, bowel cancer. You know, what do you, what do you fancy, dear? Which one do you want to go for? Dear me, honestly. I don't know, I said. Well, I wanted to say. I'm not medically qualified, but I thought, no, there's no point in being rude. She was just aggressive. Very aggressive. You've got to put nice people on the front desk of, uh, of doctor surgeries. Really terrible. Anyway, it's down to lack of training and caring, says CJ. They don't care. I'm quite sure they get people going in there, going, you know, I want this, I want that. But I've been going there since... You know, since forever. Since forever. You know, and uh, but I'm certainly not going to start s- discussing my medical condition with uh, with somebody who's sitting on the outside, unless I really know them. Uh, right. Uh, Ian says, looking forward to the revised and fresh approach to the weekend. And, uh, yes, I think he does form part of it. I think so. And um, if I had my way, says Maggie, all those smugglers and dealers would be publicly hanged. Well, you know, had she been in another country, uh, being a drug dealer, uh, she would have been shot. She would have been shot. Uh, because they deal with drug dealers like that. They don't put up with it. A million and a half pounds, and she's being treated like some sort of celebrity. It's the biggest pile of codswallop you've ever seen in your life, ladies and gentlemen. You should be heartily dismayed at seeing a convicted drug dealer who was sentenced to six years for trying to smuggle a million and a half pounds worth of coke in with her uh, chavvy uh, friend... They knew exactly what they were doing. There was no coercion. They did it off their own back because they're like that. And now they're trying to reinvent her to go, oh, it's nice. Perhaps she'll be featured in OK magazine. Perhaps she can start modelling her own line of clothing. What did I see the other day? Oh, Rochelle Humes has now designed uh, uh, swimwear. It's amazing the talents these people have. People study for years to be designers. And Rochelle and old Beckham, old Vic, you know, because she's that irritant, you stick up your nose. These sort of people are out there and they're designing clothes. Gemma Collins designs clothes. I mean, seriously. How many people does it take to design a circus tent? It doesn't take that many people. You know, they go, oh, she's designed this. No, they don't. I'll tell you what happens. The manufacturer comes along and goes, OK, we want to stick your fizzog on the front of this, uh, this collection. OK, do you like blue? Do you like that in blue? Rochelle, like it in blue? All right, dear. There you go. Rochelle, of course, who's got no idea what's going on. Like it in yellow? Okay, comes in. Red? Should we do red? Don't like red. Okay. Pink? Okay, we'll do it in three colours. And that's how it works. You don't think Rochelle sits down with a pencil and a piece of paper and starts designing a bikini, do you? That was that poor old Fahir's sister. You know, the old uh, old chav. The one who's still not married and still got a kid. And uh, the kid's been pixelated, so it's obviously out doing burglaries. And um, and they're sort of saying to her, OK, so uh, would you like to design a collection of bikinis? Yeah, I'd do that. She goes, 
because that's how they talk, don't they, the Fahir sisters. I mean, two uglies in the same family. I mean, what the odds? What the odds? And so she designs a bikini for, wait for this, girls with bigger tits than the other one. I'm sorry to use that word, but I mean, that's it. It does come down to that, doesn't it? It's just, who's, you know, so in other words, poor big breasted girls, poor, you know, even my auntie Enid. I mean, you know, when she, when she was sort of younger, she was she was quite busty. Now she's she's quite old. I mean, she does have to push them around in a wheelbarrow because, you know, they just they just go down to your knees. You know, it's it's and people go, oh, isn't it great for people to have big busts? Well, it's probably very appealing to, you know, people I work with around here to go. Well, I, I like I like um, the, the fuller figure. I like the uh, bus, busty sort of girls without realising that by the time they get to 40, these people are going to have to start leaning backwards if they want to go out for a walk because they're just not going to be able to stand upright. You know, there was a woman years ago called Chesty Morgan and Chesty Morgan's trick. She was a 72 inch double D. I mean, it was, she used to sing songs like Over My Shoulder, go, and she used to, her, her favourite trick was to get on stage and attempt to stand up. And there was a woman who used to appear on Eurotrash. She ended up committing suicide, sadly. She had a bust, I think it was like 84. 84 was, and I remember thinking, what it must be like for you ladies. It's all right for men, they go, oh. And they start sort of getting a little bit Neanderthal. But if you're a lady with a large bust, it's it's difficult. There's a lot of effort goes into it. I've worked with a lot of people over the years who've had some quite impressive chests. And um, and but it's difficult. It must be. It's an awful lot of weight. It's like you know saying to a man, I tell you what, you strap two sort of watermelons to the front of you and see how you walk around all day. It's not easy, you know. But lobby like that. I'll let anyone. <laughs> some of them go. Anyway, what should we do now? Oh, I know. I know. I know what we do now. But we talk about... Oh, I must talk about... Uh, what was I going to talk about this morning? It was something about the Edinburgh military tattoo. Because I was, I was watching a little clip on, the, uh, on YouTube about synchronised drumming and stuff like that. And it's really impressive. Really impressive. And so I'm, I think that might actually take over from the Dancing Penguins. I haven't quite decided yet. This is Steve Allen with a look back at some of the highlights from my weekday early breakfast show on LBC. More to come after the news. This is Steve Allen with a look back at some of the highlights from my weekday early breakfast show on LBC. Uh, the stress police uh, on sick leave up by a third. Britain's oldest balloon, um, like a um, toy balloon for kids' parties. This one's been still inflated for years. I don't believe it. I don't know why. I just sort of, they go, oh, it's, we, we've had it for about five years. I thought, it's still inflated. It's not physically possible, but there you go. Uh, Prince Harry builds a school single-handedly. Not. Uh, but it's a good photo opportunity. Apparently he's looking a bit stressed. He's decided to stay out there so that they can get some more pictures of him doing something. There's another TV drama with full frontal male nudity. I can't help feeling that we're, we're, we're kind of going backwards you know, when it actually comes down to television programmes and we go, oh, full frontal male nudity. And people are like, oh, no, no, full frontal male nudity. And you think to yourself, haven't you ever seen one before? You all look roughly the same. Well, they don't actually, but I mean, that's another story. But you sort of think, the papers make such a big deal about it. Full frontal male nudity. Good grief, what are we going to do? Mary Whitehouse will be spinning in her grave, I should imagine. She used to complain about uh, male nudity all the time. And you will remember... Will you not? When she went on to Caroline Hearn's programme. And, uh, of course, Mary Whitehouse... For those of you who don't remember, Mary Whitehouse was a rather Wagnerian, severe-looking woman with even more severe hair. You could probably knock nails in with it. And uh, she was president, self-appointed, of the uh, um, one here, 
Uh, it's, what was it it's called? The National Viewers and Listeners Association. The National Viewers and Listeners Association. And, uh, and so she was the moral bastion. She came to fame, really, with a play called Romans in Britain, which went on, I think, at the National Theatre and contained full frontal nudity, of which Mary was outraged by. I mean, to be honest with you, she probably sat through about 300 performances before she decided to become outraged. And uh, she was sort of, she was the curtain twitchers of Middle England. People were going, it's disgusting. I mean, she'd be horrified what was on the television at the moment. Absolutely horrified by it, because it's, it's almost on a daily basis. Almost on a daily basis. I mean, I don't think there are many... Mum, she'd never have got over Celebrity Juice. I mean, because that's just as filthy as it gets, really. And it's a bit sad. I'm assuming most of them have sort of had a few few sherbets for the thing. But anyway, so Mary, you know, went out there and campaigned and uh, had her supporters, who all looked as peculiar as she was. They were sort of being the moral bastions of, of basically you and I. And, uh, and so she gets invited on to Caroline Ahern's show, Mrs Merton. And uh, they do this sort of interview talking. It was a fairly straightforward interview, actually, up until the last question, which was when she said, oh, Mary, she said, <laughs> she was talking, oh, Mary, she said, she said, when, when you die, she said, do you think that they'll put up a statue to you? And so Mary Whitehouse walks blindly into this one and goes, oh, I think that'd be nice. And Mrs. Merton comes back with, do you know, that'll be the first erection you've not complained about. <laughs> Everybody in the audience collapsed with laughter, except poor Mary Whitehouse, who sort of sat there, not really knowing what to... I think you'll probably find it on YouTube. <laughs> it was lovely. Really good stuff. And, uh, and proving that uh, that's the sort of chat show that dreams are made of, ladies and gentlemen. Talking of dreams this morning, uh, we get uh, a Gaza apology for his boozing. I couldn't care less, actually, Paul. He's apologised to his fans. Oh, who cares? Nobody cares. Uh, desperate loose women. Now... I've known for ages, I've known for ages that, uh, that lovely Carol McGiffin, lovely Carol McGiffin, does not like Katie Price. And every time Katie Price got dragged, and I use the word advisedly, onto Loose Women, you could see that Carol really didn't like her at all. And, you know, and if she'd had her way, she'd have sort of, you know, sort of set fire to the chair or something, or pushed a button and sent her into space. Because there was no love loss between Carol McGiffin and Katie Price, because she just thought she was silly. And, um... And so every time she was on the... Pro- I used to sit there watching it, thinking, should I, should I, send, should I send a text to Carol McGiffin going, oh, she was back on the programme today? Because Katie Price can only talk about Katie Price. She can't talk about anybody else. And so uh, Carol's finally come clean about it. And she's actually said now that... Um, she said the show is desperate for making Katie Price a panellist. Uh, Carol, who appeared on the show for 10 years, reckons the price was high because she's got 2 million Twitter followers. Yeah, but they're all as simple as she is. They don't understand what she's talking about any more than she understands it. She told a magazine, I don't know what she's doing there, but she's got a lot of Twitter followers and they're desperate for viewers. I can't believe those women panellists are sitting with her. Where's their self-respect? That's why the show is so different, because they're going for people uh, with a lot of fans. Mum of five, Katie Price, but with uh, lots of different uh, men... Uh, was blasted for saying she'd have aborted blind son Harvey had she known about his rare genetic uh, syndrome while she was pregnant. She was also criticised for giving relationship advice to Kerry Katona. One viewer said, Katie giving Kerry relationship advice on loose women, blind leading the blind, or as I prefer to call it, the terminally stupid leaving the terminally thick. Yes, if there's anybody who doesn't know anything about relationships, that would be Katie Price. That would be Katie Price. And then a lovely little picture. Oh, look, Cheryl Spagbowl, still as emaciated as possible. I mean, seriously, photographs add pounds. She looks even more gaunt in this picture here. Troweled on makeup, but bearing in mind, old Liam Cena with nothing on at all. Ooh, that must be exciting. Not. 
Anyway, she's 32 now. Is she rather? She's going backwards or something. Anyway, she was, uh, she was tressed uh, to impress for, an, for another advertising campaign. She looks at... The trouble is, you know, you can take the girl out of Newcastle, but you can't take Newcastle out of the girl. And Cheryl says, I've had such an amazing experience being a judge on The X Factor. I've learnt so much. Have you really? It's funny, actually. It's never evident on the show, is it? Somebody pointed out that when she announced she was leaving yesterday... The reason was so she could concentrate on her music career and uh, and her boyfriend's, or as we prefer to call him, that juvenile. And uh, as I say, he's, he's all a bit excited, probably the first bit of regular sex with sort of an adult that he's probably ever had. And so they, um, and then one of the columnists pointed out, quite rightly so, what do you mean go back to your music career? What have you been doing during the X Factor, dear? It's only one day a week. You've only got to go out there. Can't you do it in between that? Obviously not. No good at multitasking. So you all know what a big bunch of old rubbish it really is. Really absolutely terrible. And then Colleen is a guest columnist today. Oh, so funny. Watch Colleen backtrack like there's no tomorrow. Because Colleen's uh, not the most pleasant person in the world. She doesn't even like Katie Hopkins. Katie Hopkins said she stinks like an ashtray. Which, of course, she would because... Puffs away, doesn't she, really? And uh, and she says here, uh, the truth about Ruth. Because, obviously, Colleen Nolan's trying to sell herself as somebody who cares, whereas we all know differently. She says, people think Ruth Langsford and I don't get on when we're on Loose Women. You see, it's obviously wrangled with her. And uh, they hear me telling her to shut up and not be so posh. And her response, at least I'm not common. Northerners will know... That if I'm cutting or sarcastic to you, I really like you. Home County's girl Ruth knows that and we're very close. I love the way she has to spell it out for you. So in other words, if you're cutting or sarcastic, you know, and you're northern, that really means you like somebody. Not on this programme. OK, Colleen, the fat one on the panel who can't sing. That's that's the one. It's absolute rubbish for northerners and for her to try and claim that she speaks for northerners, saying that if we're cutting and sarcastic to you, it means we really, really like you. So she says, I'm fully behind writer Happy Valley's uh, Sarah Wainwright call for more Lancashire accents and her observations that we Northerners have a more direct down-to-earth humour. Yeah, well, fat girl fat, you're certainly down-to-earth, love, about as low as you can get. That's possibly the reason I like Emmerdale and will never watch EastEnders. And then in brackets, sorry, Shane. What deluded world that this poor old baggage live in. <laughs> it's certainly bizarre, isn't it? But we smile and we laugh. And that's the way it works. Makes the world go round. I love it. I love it. I can't get enough of it. I'm sure we did the um, the Thomas the Tank Engine story some some time ago. That they've got Raoul and Vinny and Young Bayo and Ivan. And this is to make it look a bit more PC. I did that weeks ago on LBC. Weeks ago. Why are they doing it now? Why are they doing it? Because they've run out of stories. They have run out of stories. They've got nothing else to write about. In fact, they are so desperate. That, uh, that they have to print a rather big picture of Prince Harry holding a piece of wood. Uh, and the headline, Planks a Million, Harry. Because he hasn't actually got a job to do. So he can actually afford to go, OK, I'll finish this official tour. Oh, I'll just stay on here. That's how it works, isn't it, nowadays? It doesn't, you know, he doesn't actually have a job to go back to. There's no sort of, you stay out there as long as you want, love. It's a picture of poor, washed-out Sarah Ferguson. You know, 55, 56 now, and looking so bad. Seriously, for somebody who's supposed to try and look glamorous, I don't think she'd look glamorous if she tried. Unless she's airbrushed by a magazine, when you actually see what she looks like in real life. And to have a bag with her, with her two daughters' photos on the outside, is positively vomit-inducing. I've never seen any like it. I mean, what mental age is she? Nobody has stuff like that. But they says, uh, the photo bag proves she thinks her girls 
are totes amazing. Yep, and Bone Idol as well. Bone Idol. Seems to run in the royal family at the moment, doesn't it? Which is a bit of a shame. But anyway, she's jetted out somewhere uh, to Australia. Ten cases for a four-day trip and still manages to look this badly dressed. Dear. Who's paying for it, Sarah? We do ask the questions, don't we? You have to, really. What did I watch the other day on television? I watched that. Oh, I watched, um, uh, I watched uh, Billy Elliot again, which I do like watching. And I'd watched Pollyanna the day before, because it's what I call a good weepy film. I quite like things like that. And, uh, and then the, uh, the ultimate drag fest, which is Danny LaRue in Armis Fred. And it's just lovely. It really is, honestly. You suddenly realise when you watch it, as I've said before to, uh, to loads of people, you know, you're, you're looking at a man who was, you know, our top entertainer in this country. You would go to... If, if they announced on the good old days, which many of you will remember and lament, uh, if they announced on the good old days that, uh, that Danny LaRue was on, topping the bill, you were almost disappointed when he came on in a suit. Nobody wanted to see him in a suit, he was drag. He was very glamorous drag. And his, uh, his sort of uh, assistant, who made all his dresses... I mean, she made some stunning dresses. I told you I was going to go down and, uh, and buy some of, uh, some of Dan's outfits. But it was uh, Brick Lane Musical, and there's nowhere to put a car around there at all. Not something the size of mine. So uh, Barbara Windsor and I had never actually made it. Which was a great shame, because they went for really low prices. And they were absolutely beautiful. To actually possess some of Dan's dresses that he, he wore. And nobody did it like him. So the film is it's quite cheap to buy, actually. Our Miss Fred. And it's about uh, a bloke who, uh, who, who sort of uh, is, is a, a theatrical. But he sort of puts on women's clothing as a bit of a laugh. But because he's Dan in a rue, he looks ultimately glamorous. And it's just a, it's a vehicle to show Dan and how he could walk and, and look good. Looked very, very good, which I loved it. Loved it. Uh, 84850, Steve at uh What else have we got in the papers? Oh, yes, um, uh, boozy old Gazza. He's apparently apologised to his fans, which I thought was a bit of a waste of time, really. Nobody cares, actually. They really don't care. We've kind of washed our hands. You want to drink yourself to death? Drink yourself to death. We've, we've, we've been there. You've been into rehab. You've been sectioned. You've done all the bits and pieces. What more can we do? What more can we do? It's, there's nothing really, you know, and just go, listen, try and stay off it. He's had all the advice. He's had all the uh, the things that you can do, and he still keeps going back to it. What do you do? And the answer is, I don't know. I don't know. He must realise that it's killing him. He must He must realise. Not think so? I hope so, anyway. Anyway, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. We put all your uh, texts and emails into the programme. Why? Because it's Wednesday. And uh, secondly, because, uh, because we're feeling in that kind of mood this morning. I've had a cup of coffee. A lot of friends of mine have stopped drinking coffee. A friend of mine, Fat, says he's, uh, he's actually stopped doing it because it gives him the shakes. And then Paul Smith... Uh, the newsreader, he also uh, doesn't uh, doesn't do coffee because he said it makes him feel ill in the cab on the way home. So rich, honestly. I don't know what they're paying these newsreaders now. They go home in taxis. Seriously, like limousines. Although he did amaze us this morning by telling us how old he was. We were way out. 32, 33. We were completely up, you know, up a gum tree. It turns out he's much, much... But looks so much older. Now, I'm not sure if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Because when I was 15, people used to say to me, you know, you're, you're so much, you know, bigger than every other 15-year-old we've ever seen. And, and I used to say, oh, I used to think, is that a good idea that you look older than 15? So I could get served in a pub. But I didn't drink till I was 18. So, you know, for me going in a pub, I only went in there for the fruit machine. 
and the fact you could have a Coca-Cola at the bar. I used to love it. I remember going into one bar, and I'd wait outside till they opened. How desperate was that at 15? It's not normal, is it? Thankfully, I grew up out of it, and I have no addictions whatsoever. In fact, I'm the nearest thing to perfection you're ever going to hear at this time of the morning. I'm Steve Allen. More to come shortly as I look back at some of the highlights from my early breakfast show here on LBC. I'm Steve Allen, and this is your chance to listen again, or even for the first time, to some of the highlights of my weekday early breakfast show on LBC. What did I get? Ay, 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 I like you very much. Ay, ay, ay. <laughs> I can't think of any other songs, actually. <laughs> go along with that. But do you remember a few days ago we were talking on the programme, might have been only a day ago, about round carrots. And we had this sort of thing about round carrots. And uh, Paul Smith who reads the news, was saying, round carrots. I said, don't be so silly. Why would there be round carrots? So he sent me a lovely picture. I, in turn, sent the lovely picture on to Paul Cooper. Paul Cooper then takes it down to the Western International Market, shows it to Graham from, from Cheney's, who's a big, uh, big wholesaler there of fruit and vegetables and everything else. And uh, so he's now searching to try and find round carrots. Then we came up with, do they really exist? We had a look at the picture. They did exist. Then we found it on the internet. Little Chris... Uh, who produces this uh, this programme sometimes, um, he said, yes, he said, they do exist, he said, they're called Paris Market Round. My friend John then said, they're grown in a tube. I said, no, they are actually round carrots. They they don't have the ability, they've obviously been morphed into doing something. They don't, they don't grow long, they just grow round. They look like little, but they look really quite sweet. And I thought, what would you do with them? Could you make these appealing to kids who don't like carrots? And the idea is that because they're sort of round and little, you could, I mean, they look like um, radishes, only they're just orange in colour. So imagine my surprise this morning when I come in and Paul Smith has left a little gift on my desk. He's found a packet of the seeds. It, they're, they're from a company called Deree, D-E-R-E-E. Grow your own carrots, Paris market round, and it's ideal for kids, they say, and radio presenters. And so what I'm going to do is... I'm going, they said you can sow outdoors March to May, so I'm going to, I'm going to put them in. I've got loads of tubs outside with uh, all sorts of things, and I'm going to have my own carrots, because even the top of them looks, it's ferny, and that looks quite pretty, doesn't it? And I can just pull them up and have, have non-stop carrots. So, uh, it's very nice indeed. He didn't leave the bill for me when he gave me the packet of seeds, but there's obviously loads in it, but they're very tiny. So I'm going to sow those. I think after I've sort of turned the earth over and made sure we put some new earth out there. Because every year I like to put new earth in all the tubs and the baskets. Because uh, if you've seen the uh, the Steve Allen hanging baskets, they become quite legendary. Do you, can you remember? I must tell you this story because it always makes me laugh. Because uh, every year I have hanging baskets. And it's a bit of a labour of love. It's the kind of thing, any gardeners listening will tell you, it's very tight. You know, sometimes you just haven't got the strength to get out there and water ten baskets. You can't just put a little jug of water over each one. The, the water's got to drain all the way through. And if it's really hot, you've got to do them twice a day. First thing in the morning, last thing at night. So it's, it is very time consuming, but it's worth it because they look lovely. And my hanging baskets were an absolute delight. I mean, really, really lovely. And people saying, great, so we put pictures up on uh, online. They went on the LBC website. And then somebody sent me in a picture of his pathetic hanging baskets. And he said, uh, these are my mother's hanging baskets. And it was two dead things that were hanging by the front door. I've never seen anything so stupid in my entire life. And so I said on air, as you would, you know, being a very honest person, what a 
What a dreadful pair of baskets. I've never seen them. They look so awful. And he wrote and complained. He wrote and complained because I dissed his mother's baskets. I thought, perhaps you're a bit perhaps you're a bit ill. Perhaps you've got a few brain cells missing or something. They were the stupid... Honestly, you look at mine, which go from, like, sort of a foot and a half across to about four feet across. And seriously, they've been known to rip brackets down and stuff like that. Because by the time you watered them, they quadruple in weight. So you've got to be very careful. But uh, they're well worth doing. Just make sure when you buy hanging baskets that uh, you don't buy ones with too much lobelia in. Okay. The only reason I tell you that is because the first thing to die in hanging baskets is labelia. And once you've watered them and it goes brown and horrible, it ruins the basket. I've been known to have them all taken away because I can't bear to look at, uh, at dead things in there. But interesting. Interesting. So if you're going out and uh, it will be uh, hanging baskets, not just yet. But I love these. I can't wait to grow these seeds. And I shall bring some in for Paul and then go, you know, these are the uh, your, your seeds which I planted. That'd be quite nice, won't it? Uh, what else we got this morning? Neil, he says, I saw a great film the other day. It's about a boy who gets an old broken down automaton in the form of a boy who can write, working again, set in Victorian time. What's it called? Hugo. Hugo. Oh, I should have to check on that one. I should have to check on that one. I quite like the sound of that. That's very good. Very good indeed. Uh, cucumelon, a very nice. Size of a grape, coloration of watermelon, flavour of cucumber. Mum says Tom, managed to grow some from her RHS experimental seeds last year. Oh, right. But he says that shaking sound, it's round carrot seeds. It's absolutely round carrot seeds. Well done. This, the, the, the part of the programme that some of the friends of mine were laughing at. Actually having the audacity to laugh. Ridiculous. There's a woman fined... I like that idea. A woman fined for petting a tiger. I've always wanted a pet tiger, but I've got this horrible feeling that it might sort of look at you as more lunch than anything else. And, um... One here, John says, I'm having a drink in Solus, 54th Street, New York. Can you say hello to lost British writers and poets who frequent these places till six in the morning? Dear Lord, that's called alcoholism, isn't it? Never heard of people who are out there for for that amount of time. And uh, I wasn't sure, says Mike, who Carol McGiffin was. So I looked her up, discovered she was married to Chris Evans in the 90s. And I'm a huge Chris Evans fan. I didn't know that. You know, they used to do a radio show together. They used to do a radio show. Very good it was, too. And you know me, I don't know anything about radio, so don't ask me. But I just know that they did a radio show together and people used to say to me, you've got to hear them, they're hilarious. Hilarious. And then, of course, she went on to uh, Loose Women. She had a show on LBC. Uh, I've had she had quite a number of shows on, uh, on LBC. But I always knew that uh, she was never a fan of the ghastly Jordan. I mean, can you imagine, actually, Jordan giving advice on relationships? She can't keep any of her relationships together. They either cheat on her or they dump her. Or both, which is always very funny. Uh, Steve, perhaps the photos on Fergie's bag is to stop anybody wanting to nick it. I only asked the question, Malcolm, because I think there's something odd about a woman of 56 who carries round a bag, a tote bag, with photographs of her daughters on the outside. I mean, is is she all there, do you think, upstairs? Ridiculous. Uh, 84850 says, uh, I think you're right with your observation on Wednesdays and the midweek blues. As a, as a rigid, regular listener, I'd say you're definite your fiercest and take no prisoners. I don't, it's not a case of taking no prisoners. I'm just always told to tell the truth. If sometimes the truth upsets, well, you know, kind of couldn't care less. Really not interested. Somebody wrote to me the other day and said, you're very cruel about the younger members of the royal family. You know, they didn't have a choice in life. They grew up in the royal family. It's nothing to do with that. It's to do with the fact they're lazy. 
You know, you don't seriously think that, you know, what Prince Harry is doing, very laudable, but by God, they milk it for every bit of publicity. You know, so he's helping mix some cement up. You know, has he actually designed a school? No, of course he hasn't. It's a photo opportunity. And he doesn't have any other job to do. And they just put it down to his charity work now. And that kind of covers everything, doesn't it, really? Uh, I was reading a thing the other day, and I'll tell you about it, uh, the other side of the news. And it's about the amount of executions in the world. They have gone up. Uh, Leading the list is China, of course. And we're not too sure of the official figures, because they keep all that kind of thing hidden. Saudi Arabia is not far behind. Most of theirs are beheadings. I mean, you can't quite understand. They seem to behead people for all sorts of strange reasons. I wouldn't want to go there or have anything to do with them. Ghastly. Ghastly. What is that regime? Terrible. This is Steve Allen with a look back at some of the highlights from my weekday early breakfast show on LBC. More to come after the news. I'm Steve Allen, and until 7 o'clock this morning, this is the best of my shows from the week. Don't forget you can hear me every weekday morning from 4 until 6.30 here on LBC. And pictures in all the papers, because they're obsessed with exploiting every aspect of their family. Harper Beckham in a, in a nail salon at that age. You'd think she'd be out playing with her friends, but you get the feeling that Harper Beckham doesn't actually have any friends, apart from her obsessed social media parents who take her out at every opportunity to get a picture. Dave looks miserable. Mum, you would have thought Mum would have been in there saying, we don't want any pictures taken of her in the salon. I mean, how would you know if she goes out? Now, they're not hanging around their house. They take their own photographer out, so they tweet a picture. Are we supposed to be impressed by the fact that a child is having her nails done, her you know, fingernails and her toenails done at her age when she should be out playing in the sunshine? You know, it's the exploitative family, you know, every opportunity. It's a bit embarrassing, really. One of these days, the photographers are going to go, why don't you just do one? We're not interested in you anymore. Is it Nessie lurking in the Thames? No, of course it's not. Don't be so stupid. There was no such thing as Nessie. It doesn't exist. It's a, a, a failing attempt on behalf of the Scottish peoples, much of whom we love, uh, to actually keep an industry going. There is no Loch Ness Monster. There has never been a Loch Ness Monster. No, there isn't. Shut up. It's, you know, all this rubbish about it's too dark in the loch. There's no fish in there because it's too dark. There is no underwater cave. There is no nothing. This thing must be creaking along like there's no tomorrow. It's obviously got an aqualung with it. And there's obviously only the one because otherwise you'd see the family. The kids would be out there playing in the sunshine, you know, and all the rest of it. But there is no family. There are no things. I mean, the Scottish people, they have to keep it. They've got nothing else. They've got Edinburgh Castle. You know, Scots were Harvey Wallace bled. They've got bagpipes, kilts, and, and a mythical creature. I mean, do me a favour. I'm sorry. I don't want to be rude. You see, even the newsreader's jumped in on it. He says, excuse me, I've seen Nessie. It's because you drink. That's why. We've all seen it when we've had a drink. It does not exist. Let's not go down this route. It's just, it's just very... He says, we do have battered Mars bars and haggis. It's beginning to sound like a bit of a takeover, isn't it, at LBC? I'm surrounded by Scots. You know, I mean, in, in, in Scottish terms, the two Scottish people we have working here, that is practically an army in Scotland, ladies and gentlemen. They could be marching down the streets of Falkirk, the swirling of the kilt, you know, it could be, be fantastic, you know, and I could be the other end of the high street with my little army, and we could sort of clash in the middle. I've got to keep it going. I mean, I'm just jealous, of course, as you can imagine, because I'm not Scottish or Welsh or Irish, and so I don't actually have any heritage. I think I came over with the Vikings. And that's about as exciting as it gets. So I don't have anything to cling on to. If you're British, what have we got? Nothing. 
I'd rather if somebody said to me, you know, are you proud to be Welsh? You'd go, yeah, I'm proud. To- I'd love to better speak Welsh, but I'm not Welsh. I'd love to better speak Irish, but I'm not Irish. Love to better... S- well, the Scottish people have enough trouble among their own people, don't they? Really trying to understand what's going on half the time. I mean, sometimes you put subtitles up and it doesn't help. It doesn't help, really. But we, we smile at them. We, you know, we give them the time of the day. Hello, hello. It's very nice that they've actually wandered down from the border towns to actually come down to the big city and see what life is like in the real world. But uh, as regarding Nessie, on the Thames, stop it now. Just stop it. It does not exist. It's never existed. It's just probably a log, or or failing that, it'll be somebody swimming down the Thames with a, a thing on his back to make it look like a hump. Why Why do they assume Nessie's got to have a hump? Why couldn't it just look, look like a giant crocodile? Actually, I saw a film about a giant crocodile. I think it was called Predator, where this huge... But they've got one in the paper today. Some bloke, uh, it was eating his cows. In Florida. And so his son is standing next to him. I mean, you wouldn't believe the size of this thing. I think it's over 15 feet long. It's absolutely enormous. Absolutely enormous. Uh, Macaulay Skulkin. So great as a child actor. So unattractive as an adult. Uh, goes out at night now to avoid being recognised. Because people like the films. I, I bought all of the Home, uh, Home Alone films. I thought they were great. I thought they were absolutely fantastic. Uh, I do like the idea that the mum hears her dead son's heart in a patient. They, they transplant it and she hears it beating. And, so, and there is a lovely picture in the paper because that's, you know, uh, for a parent to lose a child is possibly the worst thing that can ever happen. To hear their heart beating in somebody else must have been quite pleasing. But at the same time, terribly, terribly sad for her. Uh, Kirsty Walk on the television, on Newsnight, on the BBC, wearing tracky bottoms. What next, dear? Broadcasting from a council estate, perhaps with a fag in your hand and a drink in the other. Can of Stella. Ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. HSBC to close down 200 more branches. Very shortly, you won't even need to go in a branch. I've not been a branch for donkey's years. I mean, seriously, donkey's years. We do everything online. Everything is online. We do everything online. You don't need to go there. You could just uh, pick up the phone or you can dial into your account, which I do on the internet, and you can transfer money. You can do everything. I pay everything online. I don't need to physically go there. I've not written out a cheque for years, and I did think at one point, God, am I ever going to live without writing out a cheque? And I think the first thing I wrote, uh, I, I didn't write a cheque out for, was VAT. And they said, if you'd like to pay it by this, and they send you the details, this is the amount we're looking for, and it's, uh, this is the sort code, this is the bank, this is the account number, and this is your reference, and you put that in, and you just transfer the money. And it's done instantly. It's, I mean, it's absolutely brilliant. It really is. It's lovely. Uh, and also, can somebody please, please tell Rebecca Adlington, darling, we couldn't give a stuff about you or your marriage. Just go away. Please go away. I'm not interested in anything about you. I think you've dragged out your five seconds of fame. It's now becoming boring. So just go away. Just go away, please. Uh, what else did we have, actually? Oh, we had the, um, the Japanese invisible train. I quite like the idea of this. It's not really an invisible train like there is, no, Loch Ness Monster. Um, but, you know, it's nice to keep it going. So it's not really an invisible train, but it makes it look as though it is because of its uh, reflective nature. Uh, there's also the cutthroat murder uh, girl. I'll tell you about her a little bit later on. She's a hairdresser. Uh, well, she's not anymore. She's been fired. And Merle Haggard, the country and western star, died yesterday, which was his birthday. Uh, which is, uh, you know, very sad, but I grew up with Merle Haggard and absolutely loved it. Uh, I did yesterday have a fantastic interview. Uh, it was it was really, really, really good. Don Cheadle 
came in, got a bit of excitement going, and uh, he was a bit tired. Got a new film out about the life of Miles Davis, which not only did Don Cheadle co-write, but he directs and he also stars in it as well. Very clever man. He was very tired. And when he first came in, and I'll, I'll tell you honestly, I thought, oh dear. You know, when you, I had to look at somebody, and I was explaining to people yesterday, that when you do interviews, if you've never met somebody before, they've got to like you within a minute. There's no point in sort of waiting 20 minutes for them to like you. So within the first minute, they have to like me and they have to trust me enough to sit down and talk to me with an audience, because we always end up with an audience, uh, for in conversation. And it's not like a quick five-minute interview. It's a 20-minute interview, 20, 24 minutes, I think, we're looking for, two 12-minute bands. And so he came in yesterday and I thought, oh, and I'd read a couple of interviews where um, he's, he likes talking about his work. He doesn't really do too much about his private life and he can give quite short answers so I was prepared for this I was I was well prepared the film is great the film is very very clever very very good and he's good uh although when he came in he didn't he didn't look so so happy and of course he'd come from a television interview they'd lined up loads of interviews so of course I said to him I bet they're working you hard and he looked at me and went don't even go there and I think it's very tiring you fly across from America so you're looking at nine ten hours anywhere and um it's, it's, it's very interesting. He came down. Within a minute, he was wrapped around my little finger. He had fallen under the charm, and we had a fantastic interview. I mean, really good. Even his, his PAs were saying that was a really good interview because we just gelled. We just bonded. It was fantastic. And, uh, because, and, and the reason is, is because I'm interested in the people I talk to. You know, Boy George, as you know, was the classic example of somebody when he was uh, when he was going through his sort of druggy period. He was a vile individual. He was the worst. In- he admits it. He admits it. And he came in for the end of my uh, my tongue lashing. And, uh, and so people were going, oh, it's hypocritical to interview him. No, no, no. He's come off drugs. He's been clean for ages and ages. And he admitted. He said, people said to me, you know, when you're on this stuff, you're not a nice person. And, uh, and he wasn't a nice person at all. In fact, he was barred from all sorts of places. There was a story that he was barred from balance because he was just, he was behaving badly. But then people grow up and he's now in a really, really fantastic place. And so that's what I like. I like people who sort of come in and, uh, and you know, he knew all about me, as indeed he would do. I've been in the business a long while. And we got a really good interview. So much so that he then said afterwards, what a, what a, what a good interview he had on the programme. Which is what we offer. We offer, as they say, a good interview like working in a brothel. We're offering good sex. And the trouble is with the interviews during conversation, there is no sex involved. Sometimes I mentally undress them, but that's my business, isn't it? I don't tell people things like that. Uh, so today uh, we've got uh, Michelle Rue Jr. coming in to talk about... Co- and what to find out, actually, I'd, I'd already worked out in my mind, although it, n- it never quite works out like this. My first question was going to be, what's the difference between cooking in a restaurant and cooking on television? Um, that, that, it sort of in, intrigued me when I woke up this morning. I was thinking about that and thinking, that's quite a good question, actually. I quite like that. And we've done him before on the programme. He's uh, Because most chefs are up early in the morning, he will be up early this morning, so he'll be popping in later on today to have a chat. And then tomorrow is Friday, and we love Friday. We think it's fantastic. Uh, we're going to talk about people suffering the Twitter blues, because I turned on the television yesterday, and... Um, and there she was again, screeching her way through a programme, the diminutive person that is Sally Jacks, the one who was dropped from bid, the whole thing collapsed, the channel collapsed, and then she was out in the wilderness for ages. And uh, she tried to pitch herself on a, a come dine with me, which just meant she came over as a bit of a show off. And so I watched her yesterday and I looked at this ghastly hair and I looked at her sort of all she's going on about is how hungry she is. And she's got the worst voice imaginable. I mean, it really is the worst voice. And um, 
And I said, and how old is she? I mean, a little bit difficult to tell on television when somebody's troweled on with makeup. Certainly the picture on her Twitter page is not taken recently. I think it was taken some years ago. But then, you know, a lot of people do that, don't they? My one was taken a, a short while ago. But uh, it's on television where people don't come over very well and she doesn't come over very well. It's, uh, she's just screechy. It's a case of me, 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 me. She's not really bothered about anybody else at all. So anyway, it obviously affected her so greatly that I twittered about her that uh, her agent jumped in on the bandwagon. Another one of these people who sort of loads their, their Twitter page with everything that they've done in their life, you know, this promotions, this manager, blah, blah. It was so dreary. I felt like sending him a sympathy card. You know, how embarrassing. And she obviously had to uh, to tweet herself, didn't she? She had to find herself so she could then sort of send me the uh, the Twitter thing saying, it's all my own hair. I said, Why does it look like it's grown on the back of a horse? Why is an old woman of that age wearing hair that is ridiculously too long and badly coloured? Uh, and also fat, she's had a baby. Well, you know, look at Jordan. She seems to manage it. And of course, all this stuff she's eating and drinking on the television, she's obviously not doing anything that involves the word exercise. And the voice she said I was born with. Well, then you need to go and sort it out. I can't believe she was in a Bucks Fizz tribute band. But uh, anyway, that's what, uh, that's what comes of having television which is particularly naff, and it's people flogging you, sort of naff stuff. More on the jewellery channels than on Ideal World, I have to tell you. And then I opened up OK Ma- Sorry, not OK, Hello Magazine, because obviously Peter Andre is not being featured in OK Magazine, because we're a bit bored with Peter Andre, but this time we've got his, uh, his wife in there, and their love for one another, and their free holiday so they can have a photo shoot, apparently takes their family life to new heights. And then you look at poor Ems, who's a doctor. Of what? I have no idea. I'm not sure if she's general practitioner or if she's something... I don't know. All I know is she's only got the one expression. In all her photographs, it's the same vacant look, as if she's caught in headlights. She obviously thinks she's really attractive, and Pete obviously is desperate to find anybody of the same mental age as himself, although what they talk about, I've got no idea. I shouldn't imagine Peter Andre knows one end of a band-aid from the other. But they went off on this freebie holiday, so they can have lots of pictures taken. Obviously only four days... And uh, they were over there. Thank God they didn't have to take the kids. And Ems takes a lot of lovely outfits and, again, has this vacant look in her face. You can't imagine her actually having any conversation. And Peter Andre looks like he's never actually been near a ski slope in his life. Caked in makeup, the hair, which they've obviously primped, and it's all, it's all sort of posy-posy stuff, because they thank all the people, you know, of where they stayed and everything else and how you get this and how you get that. So you know it's a freebie holiday because probably poor Peter Andre doesn't have an offshore account. I feel a bit sorry for him, really. Everybody else has got one, Pete. I mean, have you not earned enough money? Or have you got it under the bed? Have you got it under the bed? I bet you got it under the bed. I have got mine under the bed in a tin. In a tin. And I've actually... Seriously, you think I'm joking. I'm quite serious about it. I've actually got in there £220. That's my savings. £220. I keep it at home as an emergency. Just in case I ever need 200. And the reason I carry, you know, money like that is because in the back of my mind, I'm thinking at some point I'm going to be walking out of here in the morning. Not this morning, because I've got an interview. And somebody's going to say to me, would you like to buy my brand new Rolls Royce Phantom? If you've got 200 pound cash on you, you can have it. And I'm going to go, I've got 200 pound cash. And that's why I keep it. Seriously, that is the reason I keep it on me. That I'm convinced that somebody's going to drive up and say, I've got a Rolls Royce Phantom, Steve. It can be yours, but you've got to have 200 pound cash. I've got it. I've got the money already. It's in a little envy. I can have that. Uh, we will talk about Tunnock's tea cakes. And uh, we will, as well, talk about um, Alec Jones, who's confessed that he was very grumpy when he was on Daybreak. It's funny, some people work well in the morning. Some people, it's, it's not their best time. I, of course, excel first thing in the morning. I have to, otherwise I still wouldn't be here. And, um, and it was interesting because we had... Uh, 
Nina Hussein the other day was doing the debate with Nick Ferrari. And Nick said, oh, this is, no, this is Steve Allen, and he's been here for ages. And uh, so she said, oh, she said, how long? So I said, uh, <laughs> 36 years. And, um, and so she said, oh, she said, did you ever know my husband? And uh, I said, of course I know your husband. Because I, he was my boss when we were at ITN. So I knew, and so of course, you know, if you've been here this this long, you get. I've I've seen quite a number of uh, of bosses, quite a lot of bosses. So far, I've liked all of them. One of these days, that the, you know, the world is going to collapse, and, uh, and you're going to find a boss you don't like. But if, most of them, I absolutely have had all of them. I, like. I don't think I've ever had a boss, apart from one, might have been slightly dodgy, but uh, all the rest of them I absolutely loved. And look at me, I've gone late to time, but I mean, who cares? It's this. It's Thursday. It's Thursday. You can put your feet up. You can pretend the Loch Ness Monster exists. You can pretend that you've got an offshore account with no money in it. And you can pretend that you haven't got diabetes when you really might have. I'm Steve Allen. More to come shortly as I look back at some of the highlights from my early breakfast show here on LBC. This is Steve Allen with a look back at some of the highlights from my weekday early breakfast show on LBC. I was watching a lorry unloading this morning and I thought, you know, because in London, which is where we're broadcasting from uh, in Leicester Square, it's a 24-hour city. It is around the country. I don't know any places that close down at five or six o'clock at night and then sort of wait till eight o'clock in the morning to open up. I did go back to the bakery yesterday, incidentally. I went back to the bakery and I did have, I bought, they do hot sausages. Well, I'm a sucker for hot sausages in the morning. So we all had a hot sausage, and then we tried one of their strudels, which had um, apple and raspberries in, and that was quite nice. So that sent the diabetes through the blooming roof. But the sausage was very nice. I like uh, I like things like that. Isn't it funny? You know, you could be you could be so happy with just sort of a hot sausage. So uh, I did that. The, the trouble is, what they've got, and if they had a mistake, the mistake is that they've got a couple of girls whose English is not very good. You know, it's obviously, you know, cheap stuff or something like that. But whatever it is, their English is not good enough. And, you know, when you sort of say, I ordered three and I said, oh, go on, add another one, I have four. And they stand there and they look at you and go, uh, you want four sausages? And you think, listen, you've got to have a command of English. It's like me going to work in Germany and not speaking a word of German in a cake shop. It's just blooming ludicrous. You know, get some people who speak English, for goodness sake, because otherwise, you know, I mean, even the girls in Starbucks speak perfect English, you know, and they've got to do the same in the bakery. It's as simple as that. Uh, what else we have? Oh, we got the worst gag by the best man. I like the story of Macaulay Culkin, though. I like the idea that Macaulay goes out late at night because, unfortunately, when somebody is a child star, and Macaulay Culkin was a child star, they very rarely make it to adulthood. Very, very rarely. It depends what sort of happens in their life and how they're perceived. And in the case of American films, I think they get very successful very quickly, and then it's an easy case to go off the rails. And I always thought Macaulay Culkin, and I sat next to him in Joe Allen's one day, and uh, I remember looking at him thinking, God, you look amazing. He was so thin. He was painful because he was a little boy. You know, when you saw him in, in uh, Home Alone, he was a little boy. They were, he was coached beautifully. The film, I thought, was excellent. I thought it was absolutely brilliant. But when you see him as an adult, you think, oh, God, that's a very odd thing to see. Child to adult. And very rarely do they make it. So the idea that he goes out late at night to avoid being seen means that he obviously has a fear of bumping into fans. So he goes out in sort of disguise, you know, put a hat on. It's easy to do. You can actually go out... And, and not be noticed by people. But then, of course, if people then go, wait a minute, you're Macaulay Culkin. Or in the case over here, wait a minute, you're Paul Gazagascoin. Why, eh? I am. 
And, uh, you know, that's the embarrassment. And they do go off the rails sometimes. They do. Or failing that, the public just don't want to take a child into adulthood. We don't, we don't like it, as I said yesterday on the programme. You know, when you look at uh, all those early films with the Hollywood child stars, and you see we sing, on the good ship lollipop, and you think, yeah, that was lovely. That was absolutely lovely. But did she make it to adulthood? No, she didn't. When she had her first screen kiss, the papers were in a ghast, a ghast. She has a screen, a screen kiss. Same happened, I think, to Elizabeth Taylor. But she was slightly odd, but I'd love to have met her. God, I'd love to have met her. That would have been very interesting. The last of the, uh, of the Hollywood big stars. There's a, there's a few left. Still a few out there. One being, of course, Debbie Reynolds, and there's a few other people as well. But I'd love to have met her. I'd love to have seen. I know somebody did go round to the house. Matthew Bourne, I think, went round to Elizabeth Taylor's house. And uh, he said it was very interesting. See, that I'd be very jealous of. You know that he's, uh, he's doing Red Shoes, the Red Shoes, as a ballet. It's going to be out of town and then into Saddler's Wells at Christmas. And yes, I have tickets already. Uh, because I just, I think he's so clever. So, so clever. Uh, Jahan says, I usually listen to you as I'm going to bed as I live in Bermuda. He said, but today I'm uh, high above the clouds, 32,000 feet on my way to Vegas. Red or black? Black. Black. I mean, the, that, that was the basis, wasn't it, of that, uh, that dreadful show with Anton Deck, which died on its proverbial. Oh, dear, did that ever die? That was a dreadful show. Mind you, Vernon Kay's new programme, the papers have ripped apart. This is a, a show called Drive, where they've got some, uh, some celebrities on. Poor Louis Walsh has been kicked out already, but who cares? Who goes? They say it's another blow. It attracts less than... Two million viewers, that's less than a BBC One drama on autism. I don't know how you can ever equate a drive programme with something on autism. But uh, they've got Vernon Kay there. They can't get him to rate. And that accounts for everything that he does. He's a bit Eamon Holmes. You know, Eamon Holmes does loads of shows on television. He doesn't rate. He doesn't rate. He's perfectly pleasant. He's perfectly agreeable. He just doesn't rate. And Vernon Kay is, um, is sort of... I'm going to tell you a story, actually, about Vernon Kay. I'm going to tell you a story about Vernon Kay from yesterday, which is quite a funny little story. You might think it's funny, or you might think it's somewhat peculiar. But we're standing outside here. There's me, and there's uh, a couple of other people from LBC, and we're waiting for Don Cheadle, and Vernon Kay walks past. And so he goes, see you, to the people. I don't know him. So he says, see you, to these other people. And the bloke, Vernon Kay, pinches his bottom as he's going past. And so this other person says to me, he just pinched my bottom. And I went, did he? Thinking, I don't actually see it. But of course, right behind us, there's a camera. Because we are littered with cameras in this place. I'm thinking, oh, God. Not more controversy in the newspaper. Vernon Kay pinched my bottom. You know, we could just see it now. We thought it was quite funny, actually. We laughed at it at the time. Well, I laugh because he didn't pinch my bottom and come anywhere near me. But uh, there you go. Uh, so uh, we're, we're, we're betting on black, which is good. So congratulations on that. Don't take my word for it, though. I have to exonerate myself and say that is purely a guess. Purely a guess. And uh, it'll, it'll never happen. But if it does work, then I'm Psychic Steve. Uh, Gary is in Edinburgh. Well, of course, you are. your name's Hamilton. If your name's Hamilton, where are you going to be apart from Edinburgh? And uh, little Gary says, I'm going to go to Loch Ness. How far is Loch Ness from Edinburgh? Is it, a, is it one of those, is it a long journey? Because, I mean, I'm, I'm not very good with the Scottish Highlands. I mean, I think it's beautiful. We think it's quite far, actually. Um, 
And so, you know, I've seen the Highlands and I've seen some of these baronial castles, which look fabulous. And then in winter, you're going to get snow and it's going to be cold. Oh, I love some A roaring fire, toasting your chestnuts over it. Oh, God, that would just about suit me down to the ground. And I could be a very, very happy person. But the idea of sort of getting in the car. So, right. So here we go. So that's, uh, oh, there's uh, Forfar, Abroth, uh, Blegari. It's a three and a half hour drive. It's about 168 miles. God, you'll never make it, Gary. Not in your little car. And there is Loch Ness. It's near Fort Augustus, Fort William, Glencoe, uh, Kinloch Leven. <laughs> Look at me doing Scottish. <laughs> it's another language. And uh, Stirling, Loch Lomond and the Trossachs. I, have to, I used to worry about people's Trossachs. They used to say, well, how are you feeling? I said, well, the Trossachs are not so good today. Uh, Inveray, it sounds nice. It's very sort of open, isn't it? I quite fancy going to the Cairngorms National Park. Or failing that... Um, uh, Inverui. Do you think they've got a fish and chip shop in Inverui? But uh, it's quite a nice little drive. It's what is? What is? Darren Adams. He's from Inverness, is he? It's obviously not that good because he's working down here. So, uh, uh, so Inverness. And there's a lot of there's a lot of water up there, isn't there? I'm assuming all these blue bits are locks. Are they locks? I think. Well, I hope so. Anyway, it's either that or they painted the roads blue. It's a bit difficult to tell, really. Or feeling that they're paddling their way up to Loch Ness. But no, it's a bit of a long way for you, Gary. I wouldn't bother, actually. He says, I'm going to take a, um, a picture with a legendary beast that's never been tried before. Oh, wait a minute, it has. They made a film about it. Falkirk's nice, isn't it? Is that the newsreader's house? Blimey, that's very posh, isn't it? That's a, a baronial mansion, if ever there was one. They're obviously paying these people far too much money. Have you seen this? This thing's got more than ten bedrooms, ladies and gentlemen. That's what the newsreader... Honestly, they come down here, they're all lairds. That's what it is. They're all, he's got his own clan and everything. So, you know, that's, that's what makes it very interesting. That's all from me this morning. I'll be back tomorrow morning from five and again tomorrow evening from nine for In Conversation. Plus, I'm here all week from four as well. And don't forget, you can listen to LBC whenever you want, wherever you are, by downloading the free LBC app for your mobile or tablet. Leading Britain's conversation next, it's Andrew Castle.